Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with Talik. Here I have a guest with me. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Go ahead and introduce yourself, bro. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Yo, my name is Caleb Harris, right out here from Enfield, Connecticut. I'm an educator, writer, and a porn recovery coach. I'm glad that you're here, man. Um, glad that you are here. Glad to talk, do this Mental Health Check-In. So um, my first question for you is... Um, I ask this question all the time. I sound like a tape, tape recorder. But I ask questions all the time when people come on the show. Um, um, my question to you is, how's your mental health? And I ask you that question because a lot of people don't ask that question enough. You know, ask, you can ask somebody how they're doing. They can say, okay, but they right. can still be struggling mentally. But so how's your mental health? Honestly, it could be better. You know, so to keep it real, it could be better. You know, I got a lot of stuff going on in my personal life. And me and God have been feeling a little bit disconnected and, been a little bit more busier than usual looking to move out and a mother had passed away in October so that, that's been you know uh been on my mind a little bit more so been dealing with grief a little bit of stress but overall if we said like around like a, a one to ten scale I would say it's like around a five and a half right there oh, I'm so sorry about your loss man and um sorry about um I'm gonna tell being on a five man I know yeah. how that feels I know how the ups and downs I'm gonna tell I know exactly how that feels Mm-hmm. Um, my next question for you: um, What does mental health mean to you? Honestly, I think mental health means to me is really just like taking care of yourself. You know, not really worrying about what everyone else is talking about, and you know, putting yourself first before everybody else. Because one thing that I've been, you know, learning about myself is that I like to help people, but unfortunately, I help people a little bit too much, and then I forget to help myself out. So that's been something that's really been on my mind as of late in like the past like once like two to three years now. Like I gotta just take time just for me and everybody else. I mean, unfortunately, they just gonna have to worry about themselves, but I can't be everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. You know, I'm a I'm a help I like to help people too. Sometimes I put my their mental health before mm-hmm. my mental health. Um and I understand, you know, sometimes we gotta put ourselves first, like my friend Ayana, she always say you gotta put you first. And I'm learning it that you definitely gotta put yourself first and make sure your mental health comes first before anybody else. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, you don't do that. You'll just get burnt out so quickly. And yes. I, I've been burnt out a lot and it's, it's not fun. It's not fun it's, at all. It's definitely not fun, guys. Make sure you do not, mm. you do not want to experience burnout. It's no joke at all. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, my next question for you. Um, what do you say about stigma? You know, there's a stigma surrounding men. You know, we can't be weak. We can't speak up. You know, we cry is a problem. Like, what do you say about that? Man, I think it's just stupid. You know, I think it's really just how, you know, in the West, they have like this very uh, stoic representation of how a man should be. Like, a man should never cry, never show any feelings, never show any emotions. Like, you're always going to war all the time. Well, eventually, what they got to understand is that every warrior rested. Every warrior took some time to rest. And even in the scripture, I mean, Jesus took time to weep when John the Baptist, you know, had died. 
So, you know, there's been plenty of times throughout the scripture where men have cried and men have experienced suffering and pain. But, like, yeah. for some reason here in, in this country, here in the West, like, people just want you just to be tough 24-7. And then we wonder why a lot of men have a lot of bad anger issues. Then we wonder a lot of them are, are dead, in jail, committed suicide. I mean, yeah. men... The list just goes on and on. I, I tell men all the time, bro, if you need to cry, just cry. That's yeah. it. That's I definitely agree with that, man. Like, it's, it's, it's like, like, I just hate that stigma. You know, um, it's just like a lot of people are dying in silence because of stigma. Mm -hmm. You know, they're scared to speak up. Um, they never do, you know, trauma that they don't want to speak about. You know, they're trying to be strong, but like, like men, especially men that got family, are you, you know, you gotta be, you gotta make sure you're okay before you can be there for others, especially your family and everything. True. So like, I, I just hate the stigma. <laughs> like I hate it so much, like it's just crazy. Um, so tell me about, tell me about some stuff that you've been through. You know, I, I already know, but I just want you to tell the viewers the stuff that you've been through. Yeah, so honestly, I'm 28 years old and people who say they look at me, they say, you look very young for your age, Caleb. And I say, honestly, thank you for all that. But I feel really old because of all the things I've had to be through. So, you know, I remember when I was six years old, my mother and my father used to always get into a lot of arguments, a lot of fights and stuff like that. And my father did at one point try to kill my mother. Thankfully, by the grace of God, my father and I are close again. And also with the sexual abuse that I had dealt with when I was like 10 years old, uh, that really weighed heavily on my heart as well. And that, that was something I kept for a secret for like a very long time because I just, as you were saying earlier, how we just, you don't really know how to speak up. Well, that, that was one of the things that was going on with me. And, you know, I had battled substance abuse and, you know, drugs, alcohol, promiscuous sex, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I didn't know what I was doing is I was trying to run away from the own healing process that God was trying to give me. But I, I never understood that. I just realized that, I'm caught in this culture that just says, you know, you have to be stoic, you got to be tough, you can't cry, can't you do, do, do this, that, and the other. So I was trying to run away from all my problems and all my feelings and emotions. So it took me time to forgive my abusers, but I learned yeah. with your abusers that you don't have to be best friends with them. You don't got to talk to them every single day. You can yeah. honestly love them from a distance. So I've been taking all of that and I've just been trying to help people along the way, you know, but it's been, it's been quite a journey for me. Quite a journey. Yeah, um, I don't know if you know. I also been through sexual abuse as a child. Two of my cousins were less than me, so like mm -hmm. I understand you when you speak on sexual abuse. Um, like from a long time ago, right? I just felt like it was just me by myself. You know, I didn't speak up at all. I didn't say nothing, mm -hmm. and I, and I thought I could get away with not saying nothing, just not thinking about it. But Lord, I was wrong. That that came up to me <laughs> as adults. Mm. I remember one day at work, I was just like so mad about it, thinking about it, like, it's, like you know, replaying my head. I was at work, and somebody said something to me. I just started crying, and I was mad about that whole situation. Thought it was over. Mm. That was like I probably had to be like 20, 21. Thought it was over, but nah. But I got yeah. to like 26, 27. Like I was like, damn, this is like real st still affecting me. So for like mm. a long time, I thought it was over. But shout out to you know. um that Facebook page, Survivor Circle, you know, Absolutely. God Nolan added me on there and I was just like, oh, I'm not alone, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there's other guys out there that's speaking up, you know, about this. You know, there's other guys that's been molested too, you know, where they're at in their healing journey, they, maybe they can help me because maybe they've been where I've been and where I'm at now. So, you know, right. I thank you 
you know, being open and honest about that. But my next question for you, and I like to ask sexual abuse survivors this question, you know, how has sexual abuse affected your mental health? Because a lot of people don't know. They think we just get sexually abused and it's just that. No, there's a lot of stuff that affects us. So oh, how has, yeah, how has it affected your mental health? Yeah, so like like I said, you know, it was one of those things where I was battling sobriety and all that other kind of stuff. So with the sexual abuse, that kind of just during my healing process, that kind of just spawned on me. I remember just like one random day. I forgot what it was, what month it was. You know, it was just around uh, 2022. Like I just had a random flashback of me actually getting sexually abused. And I remember I was like, dang, I really just I thought I was over this and you know, I thought it was just, you know, I was just going to be done with it. Never had to remember it again. But the whole memory of being, you know, touched inappropriately, having to kiss and do all this other stuff and just, you know, feeling victimized. Uh, I really battled a lot with my manhood. My mental health was always like up and down. I was always going on waves. And, you know, I've always been the kind of personality. I don't like to talk to everybody. And I know one thing that's kind of weird is you ever had a situation where, you know, people are always happy, right? Everyone yeah. is happy in a circle. It's like 10 people, everybody just happy, having a good time. And then you yeah. in a bad mood. So then you got to sit here and pretend like you in a good mood because yeah. you don't want to yeah. mess up the vibe. And yeah. I found myself doing that. And it was just so that that would really affect my mental health as well. Yeah. And then, you know, someone would ask me like, you know, hey, Caleb, is there anything, is there anything I could do? And it's like I'm going through a, just a inner battle right now. Like I'm going through just a lot and the healing process a lot. But like. You can't open up to all these people because they all happy in a good mood. So, you know, unfortunately, you just tell them, hey, everything's fine. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I understand that, man. Bro, I understand that. Like, you know, like it's been times where I hung out with friends and like I had to act like I was okay. But as soon as yeah. I got home by myself, I went back to like the not okay telly, you know? Mm -hmm. I understand. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand that affects like, you know, it looks different. I'm going to let y'all know, guys, you know, it looks different for everybody that's been sexually abused. You know, it's different struggles that people deal with, you know, like mine personally was like depression, um, suicidal thoughts. You know, I just thought like I always said, like what they did to me, they, I always felt like they should have killed me because like I would not want nobody to have to deal with. You know, I would wish this on nobody, you know, being sexually abused. I would not wish that on nobody. It really plays with your mental health. The self-esteem issues, you know, like I was questioning my manhood. I'm just like, well, like, do I fit in with men? Should I hang out with men and stuff like that? And you know, it's a lot. It's the look like I'm gonna say it again. It looks different for everybody. Everybody has different struggles when it comes to sexual abuse. Um, next question for you: Growing up, was it okay not to be okay? Uh, no, it, it definitely was not okay. It was not like that at all. You had to suck it up and be a man and. You couldn't say nothing. I remember my mother, you know, I was raised in a single mother environment. So I had to basically play the role of the son and the yeah. father at the same time. And, you know, sometimes I felt like I had to play my mother's husband, not not in like a sexual way, but, you know, just like no, I, know. Being that, I got. Yeah. That like yeah. male provider role. It was like stressful, so stressful, so tiresome. And I was like, I'm just so tired. That's why like earlier how I said, you know, I look young, but I feel real old because, you know, I'm over here. Yeah, I remember one story. Like, I was in college, and, like, I got my student refund check. And I'm sitting there. I got, like, about a good amount of money. I'm not going to say how much, but I got a good amount of money. But it was like, dang, I can't even spend this money on what, what, what I really want to spend it on because my mom back home needs bills to be paid. And I remember that was stressing me out a lot. 
when I was in college. And that's that's one of the main reasons why I turned to drinking. And uh, yeah, that was one of the one of the main reasons why I spent five years in college. Like I could have graduated in four, but my mental health was destroyed. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't feel as if I got the support from people. So I would just drink. So yeah, it was not okay to be okay. Not at all. Um man, something you said that I understood, like my, my mom and dad was on drugs, right? So my grandma yeah, raised yeah. me. So my grandma raised mm. me, you know, my grandma had like five kids, my husband, you know, husband was unfaithful, had kids, and I feel like she was just like so heartbroken and she took it out on men. So living with her, mm. I feel like I was like a grandson, but her, like you said, husband too. Like I feel like yeah. you know. I had to be there, you know, as a child, I had to do like be there for her, you know, she just was lonely and stuff, you know, so I definitely mm-hmm. understand what you're saying. So my next question, but before I go to this question, I'm just going to say, next question I'm about to ask them, anybody out there that's struggling with suicidal thoughts or deep, dark depression, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. That's one 1-800- 800 273-8255. But that number will be changing. So be on the lookout, guys. Um, so have you ever dealt with any like suicidal thoughts and like some deep dark depression? Yeah, yeah. A combination of the both. I remember when I was like 19 years old, I actually debated killing myself because uh, a lot was going on and I was like dealing with a lot of stuff. And you know, my freshman year man, I did terrible. You know, I did not do too well at my college year. So it was one of those things where it was just like, dang, what am I going to do? Like, I can't disappoint my mother. So I kept it on the low. I kept on drinking. I kept on smoking. I kept on just, you know, putting these things off. Yeah, that was like a really uh, dark time for me because, you know, uh, I think the problem with grades is, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting good grades. Obviously, you want to get good grades in college and high school, but it's the pressure that people put on people to get good grades and to make them feel like, you know, you're some kind of a failure just because, you know, you had a bad year in college or you're some kind of a failure because you didn't go to college or you're some kind of a failure because you got a C because God forbid you got a C on something and, you know, you didn't get all A's and B's like all the other scholars because you were going through some mental health stuff. And, you know, since a lot of people don't talk about mental health, there's a lot of people uh, fighting a lot of mental health battles like I was when I was 19 about ready to kill myself and about ready to deal with all these dark depressive thoughts and it was honestly just by the grace of God that I didn't do it and I was able to turn myself around but people deal with this kind of stuff and they feel as if they just can't even talk to nobody about it so yeah it's, it's, it's tough it really is yeah it's definitely tough I had a couple of suicide attempts myself so I understand. I always think it's because of like I always tie back to the sexual abuse. Not even you know what? No, I can't even say that because my therapist had to tell me he was like, "You can't just get the sexual abuse so much power." Other stuff happened to me though. Like my mom did mm. drugs. My, yeah. I had my uncle beat me like like with a stinger cord with no clothes on and stuff like that. It's like I was mm. given sexual abuse, so like a lot of stuff like it hurt my self confidence. You know, I have trust issues with men. You know, like I just like I'm working on it now. But like at first, I would not hang around men. I hang around girls. It was just easier for me. I feel like they get me. I feel like you know, like the guy Mario that I had on like recently. He was he was, he was saying the same stuff I was thinking. I'm like, damn, I was saying that you know. I feel like like I don't watch sports and stuff like that, so I don't feel like a man and stuff like this. Turn you, yeah. I didn't know what a man is supposed to look like or be like or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, um, guys, you know, if you know anybody that's struggling, suicidal thoughts or just 
trying to attempt suicide. It, um, my friend Becca always says, better to have a mad, a, a live, a, it's better to have a mad friend than a dead friend. And mm-hmm. ever since she said that, I respect it. You know, um, the number is 1-800-273-8255. And the number is not going to, it's still going to be the same number, but it's going to be a three-digit code for guys, for you guys to be easy to dial. It's going to be 988 and if anybody has been through any sexual assault, they have a national sexual assault hotline too at 1-800-656-4673. That's 1-800-656-4673. Make sure you guys reach out. So let's get into grief, man. You said you lost your mom. I'm so Yo. sorry for your loss. I lost my mom in 2019. Then I lost my sister. So... What can you, like, what can you say, how has grief affected your mental health? Uh, grief is affecting my mental health uh, in the beginning, like, not very well, because the worst part about it is, or I've been learning with grief, is that it's not wise just to always keep yourself busy and just to, like, ignore the issue, you know, and, and that's what I was doing in the beginning. Like, I was getting involved in my church, like, really, really heavily, like, every single yeah. day, and, like, two weeks after my mom, mom had passed, I got COVID. So, like, that was even worse. And then it was even more worse because I couldn't actually attend her funeral. So that was, like, yeah, that was a lot going on with me. And, you know, unfortunately, this is something I'm getting better at is actually telling people what's going on in my life. But, you know, one of those things that was happening is I just decided, you know, maybe it's just wise for me not to say anything. Maybe it's wise for me just to keep busy, you know, and just, you know, ignore the issue. But that really affected my mental health really badly. So... I had to just basically decide to make the, the best move I can make. And I, I checked into Celebrate Recovery, which is a Christian-based recovery for people oh, wow. who struggle with uh, addictions, bad hangups, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that really helped me out a lot. You know, I go at least uh, once a week or if I don't go, I actually just journal. And I just try to stay out of the house. And honestly, I just take time for me. And, you know, I know I always have that inner voice in me that says, you know, yeah. I could be doing more for the church or I could have done something to help my mother. And I was like, well, there's only so much that I could do. Uh, it's basically just in God's hands now. And, and that's it. That's good, man. That's good. That's good. So, um, question. You talk about pornography. Like, can you talk more about it? Yeah, so, like, I had actually had a really bad bout with pornography ever since I was, like, you know, 12 years old. And I think it was because of the sexual abuse that happened when I was either uh, nine or 10. The age to me is like still kind of blurry and some things are still blurry on that age as well. So it was either like two years after that, I found my porno collection in uh, my dad's room. I remember I was, you know, visiting my dad and the summer was about to end and I saw all these porno tapes and obviously I'm a guy. I'm still trying to figure out my manhood and my dad and I reconnected and stuff like that. So you know, I remember just uh, stealing the tapes and sneaking them into my luggage. And I remember like on and off for about a couple of years, I would watch it. And then I was like 19 years old. And that's when I got into the PMO cycle, the porn masturbation orgasm cycle. Yeah. And I was on and off on it for like about all the way up till I was uh, 28 years old. And, you know, by the grace of God, I finally left it five months ago. But it was one of those things where I just could not shake it. You know, it was one of those things where. I wanted so much pleasure, but I had to understand about pornography is that it doesn't give you the pleasure that you're looking for. You know, you think that it's really going to please you and it's really going to like, you know, make your life better. But 
what it really does, it leaves you more depressed, more anxious. You know, you really can't talk to anybody. You make less eye contact and you have a really bad connection with other women. You know, so it's, it's one of those kind of things where, you know, pornography would definitely was one of those things where if I didn't get help, it would have definitely ruined my life. So I, on my page, I just tell people, hey, man, stay away from that stuff. You know, even if you relapse, it's OK. Get yourself yeah. back up. Put your blocker on there. You know, if you need to seek help, go out yeah. and do it because this is not it's nothing to joke around with, man. It's, it's some yeah. demonic stuff going on, that stuff. I'm glad that you um, it's out there educating people. Hell. It's, it's like real dope. Because a lot of people don't talk about it. And I'm glad that you're mm -hmm. out here talking about it. Yeah. Next question for you. How do you feel about therapy? I, how I feel about therapy? I believe that therapy is good for people. I just believe that uh, in America, that therapy is demonized, especially for men, because... For some strange reason, it's like a man can't just go out here and just seek help for what's going on. Like, they just think that, you know, if you just eat clean and lift weights and stay in the church, everything will be better. And, like, I, I am a Christian. Yes, I, I am Christian. But at the end of the day, there's going to be some things I can't tell my pastor. There's going to be some things I can't tell my brother and sister in Christ. And I just have to man up and tell someone who is it who is, you know, a licensed therapist, a licensed counselor you know, uh, a sponsor, something like that. But I have to tell somebody what's going on because they just think, oh, well, brother, what you're going through right now, you just need to keep praying and keep praying. It's like one, one pastor talks about it. And like he's one of the few that I actually agree with on this topic. He says, you know, that people go through a, an inner war. And when you're going through an inner war, it's this guy named Pastor David Wilkerson. He's, he, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he's like one of these older uh I think evangelical pastors, I'm not too sure, but what he had talked about is, you know, when you're going through this inner war, you don't have words. And when you don't have words, you know, you can't really express it to everybody. So his son actually was going through suicidal thoughts and suicidal thinking and things like that. So what had happened is he was he was talking to his son. He said, you know, son, I can only imagine what you're going through. And his son says, Dad, you, you have no idea what I'm going through. You can no longer imagine what I'm going through at all. And I remember it was a good thing that he actually understood as a pastor, but not too many people, not too many pastors understand that they would just push prayer, 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 fasting, fasting, fasting. And I'm a firm believer in this. If like someone was going through a problem, I believe it's my personal responsibility just to shut up and listen. That's it. It's not my responsibility to tell them it's just, you know, it's your prayer life. It's your fasting yeah. life and things like that. Maybe they're doing all those things. But at the end of the day, when you're fighting that inner war, as Pastor David Wilkerson has said, there's only so much that you can do. When you're fighting that battle, like, you have to just take it one day at a time. That's a personal battle between you, God, and your therapist. But, like, at the end of the day, it's just one day at a time. That's it. Wow. That's so dope. That's dope. That's dope, man. That's dope. Wow. Yeah. That was good. Um... What are some good coping skills you would recommend to someone? I would definitely recommend journaling because I, I realized that, you know, since a lot of men have gone through so much abuse, whether it's sexual, physical, mental, you know, whatever the, the abuse is, yeah. you know, whatever they've gone through, right? I, I've realized is that journaling is just so powerful because sometimes you just don't have words. Sometimes the words don't just can't come out. Like they just, I that was me for years. Like people would ask me, What's going on? I physically could not tell them. I could not say I'm going through something bad. They would ask, hey, Caleb, what's wrong? I couldn't tell them, like, 
I'm going through something wrong. I'm going through something that's bad in my life. I couldn't do it. I couldn't physically make the words come out. So that's why, I, honestly, I'm big on texting. That, that's one thing that helps me out a lot when my mental health is really bad. But journaling really helps out a lot. And it's just very simple. You know, you just take the day. You just write what happened. That was, I, I would suggest writing what happened, what is bad first that happened in the day. And then, you know, you take what happened good that happened in the day. So you could have a positive reflection on the whole whole entire day. Yeah, that's true. Um, our next question for you is, um, what do you tell somebody that's struggling? You know, stuff that you shared, you know, mental health, porn addiction, sexual mm -hmm. abuse. What do you tell somebody that's struggling with that stuff? What do you tell them that's struggling, that wants to give up, that doesn't feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel for them? Like, what do you tell them? I would tell them, you know, you got to get back up again. You know, you're not the only one who's dealing with this. You're not the you're not the only one who's suffering in silence. Like there's many people who are suffering in silence. It's just, man, I hate to say, it, but a lot of people we've all been conditioned to put on a front, man. You know, we all yeah. had to put on this front and act like everything is okay. I mean, you know, even in church, uh, around my friends and family, like there's so many people who just put on a front and like. I used to always get kind of mad about it. I used to get very angry about these kind of things. But I realized that this is how we've been conditioned. I can't get angry about a conditioning that's been happening. You know, it's just sometimes you have to realize that, you know, sometimes you're just not OK. And that's perfectly fine. I mean, you ain't got to be OK 24-7. I mean, well, one example that comes to my mind is biblical. It's Job. I mean, Job was going through a lot in the Bible. I mean, he was, you know, his, he lost his wife. I mean, he lost his children. His friends wouldn't talk to him. His friends blamed him and said, you know, you must have done something to make God, you know, angry with you, Job, and things like that. And he, he was going through a really bad depression, you know, even in those kind of situations, just telling Job, well, you know, Job, you just got to pray and fast more when Job was the most righteous man of them all. And God would always boast about, how righteous uh, Job was to, to the devil himself, but he still was a human being and he still went through feelings and emotions, just like we all do. Man, that's so good. That's so good. So, you know, we talked about, you know, we talked about, you know, therapy, nope. you know, being good for mental health, God being good for mental health. What about fitness? Fitness is definitely, yeah, I definitely recommend fitness. Yeah. You know, I work out at least like uh, four days a week and I love to play basketball around this time of year because it's the vitamin D. The vitamin D really helps out. And like the basketball, the sweat, it's just something about it. We're just, you know, also just eating a lot better. Right. So I myself, I follow a plant based lifestyle. I don't consume meat or dairy. That's just for me and my own personal needs. But uh, fruits and vegetables really help out a lot with your mental health a lot. And also just the fitness on the combination of it as well. And I don't know the exact studies about it, but they say when you sweat more, uh, your hormones are, your hormones can regulate a lot better. And the endorphins and the dopamine, dopamine levels go up a lot higher. So I definitely recommend, you know, doing that. And also, you know, if you're not really like a big fitness person or whatever the case may be, honestly, man, getting out there and just going for a walk for 30 minutes, I'm yeah. telling you that right now, that'll help. That will help. Whenever I'm in like a rut or, Something crazy is happening. I mean, even just today, you know, I got retwisted and I went out for a walk and I took a cold yeah. shower this morning. I mean, these things, they they really do help. They really they do. They definitely do help. Yeah. They definitely do help. Um, guys, yeah. make sure you guys, you know, if you had, like he like he said, the walk, I was going to mention that, but walking is good. I didn't walk 
and talk to my therapist on the phone. And that was like the best thing ever, man. I was just like, I was letting a lot of stuff out. And I was like, damn, where the hell does this come from? Like, how yeah. am I? And I was like, because I was walking. I was sweating. Yeah. I was walking. <laughs> I was sweating, That's but true. I was walking. Yeah. Um, I like to end this. I like to end this off on a, you know, like a great note. You know, I like to promote people. So like, I know you got some books out, you know, talk about your books that you have out and what's next for you. Yeah, so right now I still got two books out. Uh, one of my best books right now that's out. It's a best-selling author. It's uh, Suffering in Silence by Suffering in Silence, August 15, 2003. And it's, it revolves around a substitute teacher named Ricky who's, you know, dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety because, you know, his mother had passed away and, you know, he's still trying to rekindle with his father. And he's also just trying to find God in that whole process because he's not yeah. sure if God is real or not. He's not... In the story, how I wrote it is he's not really believing in God, but he's not really not believing in God either. He's like in yeah. that lukewarm feeling God out process. But it basically just takes him on a journey just to show, you know, what black men go through, you know, how we suffer in silence. And it is through a fictional lens, but I like to call it fiction realism because there's a lot of realism in fiction. It's just when you really start yeah. to pay attention and understand people's stories, you really start to see these kind of things and also i, I have a cookbook out oh. uh, that's no, no problem i just finally after all this stress and hassle from editors and all this other stuff i had to deal with i finally have my paperback out finally had the ebook yeah. out it's also on amazon as well i'm just on ig at a man named caleb i'm on facebook caleb harris author you know and yeah basically just a regular everyday guy who believes in god and just tries to help and encourage people and yeah, you could just shoot me a DM if you got anything on your mind, and uh, yeah. I think everything I've covered. Yeah. Well, shout out, shout out to your books, man. That's an author. That's good. You know, I just released the book like this year. It was like a short self-titled book. I was able to tell my story in a short book, you know. And mm. I think from that, I was like an accomplishment for me. Probably the first in my family to release a book, you know. So that was yeah. like an accomplishment for me. So like you know, hearing you talk about you know your book, I'm, I wanted to write. Uh, who is it? nonfiction book but like i started it and then i stopped so like yeah. hearing what you're saying is like encouraging me to like finish it you know like i'm not done yet i'm not done you know writing a book you know i'm gotta keep going and stuff like that and i thank you again for being yep. a guest on this mental health talk you know i love doing these talks with especially sexual abuse survivors you know because it's something that i've been through too so i get to hear different people's stories and stuff like that and when people tell their stories and stuff that i learn about my stuff or you know learn about myself you know stuff that you know people like you or my friend mario my friend define would say and i'd be like damn like maybe i need to take this route to try to heal and everything so like i thank you again for being a guest on here man yeah no problem